You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your body, however you choose to consume it. I am your host, Ryan Andrews, back with you for another day of Blue Jays Talk. It's a new day. It's the start of interleague play for the Blue Jays today. They open up a brief two-game series against the Mets tonight, and obviously we will have some thoughts on that. We're also going to have some thoughts on what the rotation can do and a possible theory about what uh, the rotation can do to improve itself from its previous form. But we have a treat for you guys today. I said that, you know, we would we would try and get some more voices on this week. And we are doing just that because you don't want to hear me talk about Joe Biagini again. I, I was so negative yesterday, like, like just just droning on and on about how Joe Biagini's not a starter anymore. And yeah, you guys don't want to hear me do that again. So we have brought in someone else to do that again for me. Um, joining me on today's episode from JaysFromTheCouch.com and from Parts Unknown somewhere in New York, American Roy Widring joins the show today. Roy, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm happy to be here making my lockdown debut today, exactly. Ryan. So uh, we're uh, we're good to go. I'm ready to try something a little new. I'm I'm happy to have you on. We're slowly working through the Jays from the couch roster. You you follow in the footsteps of of Sean Doyle, of course, and and Ryan Miller and Stephen Brown. And I I have a feeling you're not going to be as antagonistic as Stephen. But I, again, I I welcome I welcome your perspective on here, and I'm happy you could join me today. Well, thank you. And I guess I gotta say, your the story arc of you. And Steven is it's wonderful to watch and it's just <laughs> watching two young men blossom in personality and conflict and teaches you a lot about human beings. Oh, <laughs> uh, if nothing else, I have tried to teach people about human beings in my time on this <laughs> earth. Um, but actually, let's start with the human being making the most news for the Blue Jays today. Um. Uh. When Carlos Ramirez was designated for assignment on Sunday and Anthony Alford was sent back down to Buffalo, people were speculating and and thinking, oh, this this is going to be Vlad Jr. They're, they're adding Vlad Jr. to the roster. Oh, my God, it's it's happening. And Vlad Jr. posts that Instagram. I'm in New York. Oh, my God, he's in New York. No. 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 Nope. Uh, Dwight Smith Jr. has been called up. From Buffalo, he will take the roster slot of Anthony Alford with the main club. I, I I think it would be remiss if we did not talk about Dwight Smith Jr. first, and how I'm I'm actually happy to see Dwight Smith Jr. back with the big club because I don't know about you, but every time I see Dwight Smith Jr. up, he just seems to be productive at the plate, and that's the biggest problem the Blue Jays are having right now. They can't get consistent production at the plate, so. Um, why don't we start by talking about what Dwight Smith Jr. gives them um, from a batting perspective? Well, the thing about the Blue Jays, and this isn't anything new if you've been watching this team since they were finally good again in 2015, or if you 
been watching since the early days. Um, they're slow. Uh, they're not very athletic. With Grichik on the DL, the outfield defense is not good. Nope. <laughs> and uh, how, how many Smith, how many balls has Teoscar Hernandez lost in the dome? Like I don't know, but did, did I remember seeing one? I think on Saturday that was one of the worst played balls I've ever seen. Uh, you know, routine ten hopper on the turf, and he goes to backhand it to the throwing side and just clanks it around the corner. It's been tough to watch. Um, yeah. And Dwight Smith is—he's a good outfielder. He's not spectacular, um, but beyond that, he can run. He's already got a stolen base this year. Um, he's got four doubles, and you know, over fourteen career MLB games. He's twelve for thirty-one. He's been on base at a 424 rate. And in the minors, he's stolen 70 out of 100 bases. Mm. He's a pretty dynamic player. He's something that they don't really have yeah. right now. He's kind of kind of like Randall Gritchick without power, but he can also get on base, which mm. Randall Gritchick can't. His so own. right now, he's he's the right junior to, be, to get <laughs> called up. Yeah, his OPS is three times that of Kendris Morales this season. Um <laughs> but but yeah, that was that was a quite like when he was up for that brief cameo already this year when when he had that two for four day. I'm like, this this is great. This is something that the Blue Jays need a, a lefty bat who consistently makes contact. And like they already got one in Curtis Granderson. Some although he's been more capable of getting on base with his batting eye as opposed to his bat lately. His his walk rate is great, but the batting eye hasn't been there. But but you're right. Dwight Smith Jr. was a more dynamic player when when he was in the lineup, and he he was consistently lacing balls into the gaps and turning those singles into doubles, getting runners in scoring position for the Blue Jays. And and I was a bit surprised that he was immediately sent down after that. Uh, and and in the wake of the performances of his contemporaries in that young Blue Jays outfield battle, uh, Dalton Pompey couldn't get a bunt down when he was with the club. Anthony Alford looked lost at the plate. He finally got his first RBI, which is awesome for Anthony, but he, he was consistently not getting good wood on the ball. Dwight Smith Jr. Was a guy who could do that at, at least in the limited time we've seen from him. And it, and again, you said last year he was able to do the same thing. 370 batting average last year in his, in his brief time with the Blue Jays. So I, I see Smith Jr. as the best option for a Blue Jays team struggling for offense now because you're you're uh, Dalton Pompey is not going to hit two home runs again like he did last night for Buffalo, like he you just can't do that at the major league level. Yeah, that was one of the more surprising score alerts I got last night. Um, Dalton Pompey is, is, is he's a very good AAA player, but he hasn't he hasn't done anything at the MLB level. Mm. When you watch Dwight Smith Jr., he looks comfortable composed he he doesn't make glaring mistakes which i mean if you looked at dalton poppy's bunt at bat from the weekend um, almost as bad as teoscar's play in right field uh, just miserable miserable looking baseball um junior smith jr just doesn't really make those mistakes mm. like i said he looks comfortable he plays his position well and you know um He's ready to be that fourth outfielder that the Blue Jays need right now. Um, unfortunately, with you know with Steve Pierce and 
Kendrys Morales on the active roster, even though Pierce is on the DL right now. Mm. He would he'd be the one to fill that bench role right now if things if the roster was a little bit cleaner, let's yeah. say. Because he is he really is. He's a dynamic fourth outfielder. He can pinch run, he can pinch hit. Most of the pitchers in the league are right-handed, so he can handle them. He handles left-handers very well, surprisingly, for being a left-handed batter, but he's even better against right-handers. So, mm. yeah, he's he's the guy right now, I think. Yeah, and and I like, again, we, we've been talking about his bat. He does not have a soft-hit ball yet in his major league career. All. <laughs> All his outs, they've come on solid content. He's a guy who can barrel up the ball much better than than his contemporaries. And I start to think like the main reason we haven't seen more of Dwight Smith Jr. at the major league level is just because he wasn't buzzy when the Blue Jays right. drafted him. He wa- he wasn't Dalton Pompey, that hometown hero with the we- with the blazing speed. He wasn't Anthony Alford who was making uh, baseball America prospect lists. He was kind of under the radar, and I'm not sure if that's why he didn't get more of a look as opposed to Alfred and and to a lesser extent Pompey. But I'm more excited to see Dwight Smith Jr. Because again, again, he does things the Blue Jays need right now. He makes solid contact. He um it's it's a small sample size this year, but it looks like he's cut down on the strikeouts as well, which is a huge Achilles heel with this team. So if he can do that and be a guy who can provide consistent, solid contact, avoid these weak ground ball outs that just I I am so sick of seeing from Blue Jays hitters that tomahawk them into the dirt. If he's if he can provide that for this team, this would be a big boost and at a critical part of the season where the Blue Jays are going to be determining what kind of team they want to be this year. Yeah, and I agree. And, you know, I'm just looking over his minor league numbers. He's never struck out more than 18% of the time, and that is just not something they have mm. in the system right now, except for Vlad Guerrero Jr., who just doesn't strike out that much. There's a lot of swing and miss guys. He is not a swing and miss guy. He's a high Babbitt guy, too, mm. um, which, you know, Sure, he doesn't have a lot of power. He's probably not going to be a run producer, but he's going to get on base. He's got a career 424 mark. That doesn't seem right. Is that right? It says total 424 on his on-base percentage. That's not bad, especially if you're looking at a fourth outfielder. Yeah. And if he's only striking out 15% of the time, that is so welcome on the squad right now. No, for sure. And and we, we've talked about pedigree on this Blue Jays team and how they seem to value pedigree. He's another mm-hmm. pedigree player. His dad played for eight seasons in the majors. He wasn't flashy, but he was a great contact hitter. He had a two seventy five career average, did uh, Dwight Smith Sr. for eight seasons with the Cubs, Angels, Orioles, and Braves. So he's another guy who's grown up around this game and, and has a higher baseball IQ than someone like Anthony Alford, who came who came to this game, kind of split his time, and is really developing what he needs to do. And you and you saw that with Alford when he was playing in the outfield. That that ball, um, I forget who the Red Sox batter was, but that ball where Alford's charging in, and and 
and he he lets it fall in front of him because he doesn't want to barrel into um into the infielders making the play. Like that that's something that you need to be able to learn. And I'm I'm more confident in Dwight Smith Jr. making that play than Anthony Alford right now. Yeah, I mean his play is clean. It's mm. it's fundamental. He's been there before, like you said. And he's really the first in line for the the Blue Jays' uh, career lineage kind of thing. He's a 2011 draft pick. He's 25 years old. He's been around for a long time. And he's just, like you said earlier, he never really set the world on fire, but he's been good at every level. You know, mm-hmm. it's time. And I, I, I love Anthony Alford. He is going to be a force someday, but it's, it's not there yet. No. No, and it's best for Anthony to continue his progress in Buffalo and get get more acquainted with the type of pitching he's going to see, be seeing at the major league level. And right, and him him and Pompey are both coming off injuries this spring. Mm. Smith Junior's been healthy throughout, so he's much more. He when we talk about game pace and being ready to be on the field, Smith Junior's there right now. Yeah. And and today's lineup hasn't been released at the time of recording, um, but with um, with with them going into the National League Park for the for these two games, I mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they started Smith Jr. maybe in the eighth or even in the ninth slot, much like some of the other National League teams have been doing, trying to get that contact guy at the bottom of the lineup. When you turn the lineup mm-hmm. over, I wouldn't be surprised to see Smith Jr. hitting in that nine slot um, to help turn the lineup over for the Blue Jays and then lead off with a guy like T. Oscar and then you go into Donaldson and so on. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how Toronto plays this. It sounds like Grichuk is getting close to a return, so I'm not sure how long Dwight Smith Jr. is going to last this time, but... I'm excited to see what he can do and, and try and assert himself a little more and, and put himself at the top of maybe that outfield pecking order in Buffalo. Yeah. And you know, I wouldn't get too carried away with whatever happens uh, here on Tuesday night. Um, I know. Everybody's facing Noah Syndergaard tonight. So <sighs> it's not a, it's not a good matchup for the blue Jays, a hard throwing righty that can throw a change up and a good breaking ball. Yeah, it's going to be a tough night. Yeah, but he's a Mets pitcher, so he'll probably be injured in the second inning. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jacob DeGrom only lasted an inning in his start. What the heck was that? Ah, disgruntled DeGrom owner in fantasy. But you all don't I'm care a... about that. Yeah, well, I'm a Syndergaard owner, so... Uh... <laughs> I hope he lasts two innings. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, enough about enough about fantasy. We're here to talk reality, and we will continue talking reality when it gets to the Blue Jays' rotation right after this. Okay, so I I got into this yesterday, Roy, about how mm-hmm. yesterday was the third strike for Joe Biagini as an MLB rotation player, and like that, I think. The front office is finally coming around to the majority way of thinking. Um, when they called up Deck McGuire and and purchased his yeah. contract, I I think that pretty much confirmed that yeah we're we're done with Joe Biagini as a starter. And like I was I was really happy for Deck to get that that shot because I think he's he's a more complete pitcher. He's he's finally tapped into that 
that high high floor level that I that I think the Blue Jays thought they had when they drafted him two picks ahead of Chris Sale, and I will never not bring that up. Uh, but I I want to get your your take, Roy, on a on a final thought with with Joe Biagini and this and this failed experiment to make him an MLB starter. Because when we were talking pre-show, you said you had a bit of a theory on the Blue Jays rotation. And I, I want the listeners to be able to hear this theory. Well, I don't know so much if it's Joe Biagini, but I think it's the pitching staff in general this year. But I don't think it's the pitchers. No. The pitch calling this year Ooh. has not been sharp. So are, are you placing that, you're placing that more on Luke Maley as and Russell Martin as opposed to the pitchers that are going up there. See, Luke, Luke and Russell are both really good defensive catchers, and for the most part, they do call good games. In some situations this year, though, they've they've made some questionable choices, especially when your team consistently struggles to make it out of the fifth inning with their starting pitchers, and you've got you know. Mookie bets one two, and you just—he's one of the best hitters in the game. And you call a waste, a wasted fastball up at his eyes. He's not going to swing at that. You're wasting a pitch. You're setting up the possibility of your catcher clanking a pitch that doesn't matter just to try to get a kind of a—it's a, like a cop out swing. It's like, oh, maybe we can trick him. These guys are major league batters. You are going to get some good. Pitches waved at, um, you know, watch Kevin Pillar because mm. <laughs> he's the kind of guy that you can get out on a junk pitch. But when I like, and, you know, I play in a Sunday league and we use a lot of waste pitches because we're playing with like anybody from college students to 55 year old men that are just want to get away from their family for the day. That's where a waste pitch works when you're pitching against the absolute elite players in baseball, Aaron Judge. Mookie Betts, Giancarlo Stanton, you're not going to throw those pitches past them. And if you don't execute it perfectly, they're going to put it 500 feet away in the stands. Mm. And it's not just that. It's, you know, has Aaron Sanchez thrown an inside fastball this year? They're not calling games to the pitcher's strengths right now. Yeah, because when you, when you said that Aaron Sanchez was the first pitcher I thought of and how many – I'm not sure how much of this is the pitch calling and how much of it is just Sanchez can't hit the strike zone, but I've seen so many fastballs from Sanchez just way outside. Like, like even if it is yeah. a, a chase pitch, there's no chance he's going to get players like that to do it. And, and to call chase pitches against a team like the Red Sox, where their mantra is don't swing until you see it right in this particular yeah. zone. You're, that's not a team that, that goes after pitches. And, and time after time, it, you you see them get the full counts on pit, on Blue Jays pitchers, and that's that's the problem. That's what's ringing up the pitch counts. That's why they can't get through the fifth inning because they've thrown so many pitches with no purpose, at, mm-hmm. but to try and trick them that that they don't have anything left for that fifth inning, and they just get batted around the park. It's it's a lot of extra pitches. It's. Like I mentioned a minute ago, it's not pitching. It's not calling to the pitcher's strengths. Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez, everything they throw, sinks and cuts and big curves, 
you need to use not just the zone, but you need to use both batter's boxes when you're calling pitches like this. If you get somebody like Mitch Moreland up, 0-2, of course he's looking off-speed outside. Throw a fastball at his hip. Let it tail over. Somebody like Aaron Sanchez can ex- execute that pitch. Mm. It's just, it needs to be called. And right now, it's not. It's like they're just saying, throw a fastball down the middle and let the ball do what it does. And that can work for a little while, but you play the Red Sox and Yankees 40 times a year. You're not going to get away with that. No, no. And they're like, they, again, they're a team that covers the strike zone very well. So you're, like, yeah, you're going to have to make them think it's a ball, but you also have to make sure you can execute the pitch that can do that. And I wonder if it's not better to take the bullpen approach with these starters because you've seen Axford and Clippard and O go out there and and to a lesser extent Tapera, although we'll, we'll see how durable Tapera is for the entire season. But you see these veteran pitchers go out there and what are they doing? They're pounding the strike zone. They are getting yeah. first pitch strikes on these guys. They're not they're not fooling around. Like they're they're telling John Axford to go out there and throw ninety five. They're telling Tyler Clippard to just buckle knees with that changeup of his. They're they're telling Sung Juan Oh to hit ninety six again, which he can finally do. Thank you, Texas, for flunking that physical so we could get Sung Juan Oh on this team. (laughs) But but I think the Blue Jay starters have gotten away from that with how many times, how many times have I seen Jamie Gar- or Jaime Garcia bounce a curveball in the dirt? Cause he can't get it just in the strike zone. How many times have I seen Aaron Sanchez go way outside just with a wasted fastball when he should be burying that in inside, like you said, burying that down at their knees and getting those low strikes. I, I, I think you're right, right? It's just the entire mentality of handling that starting rotation has has just proven faulty. And if if they use this off day, if they use this week to maybe reset and be like, okay, let's just let's just start getting getting them in the zone. We'll worry whether or not they hit them because like the Blue Jays are supposed to be a good defensive team. They should be able to handle um, most batted balls that come their way. We've we've seen issues with Teoscar Hernandez. We've seen issues with with Guriel when he was up there for a little bit. But for the most part, this is a strong defensive team. They should be able to handle batted balls. And I don't know why they're trying to get away. It's like they, they think, hey, everyone's stri- striking us out. Won't we try and strike them? No, everyone's striking you out because you swing at curveballs in the dirt, Kendris Morales. Just, just pitch in the zone. Let your defense help you. Let your defense do work for you. Stop trying to ring up these these strikeouts that aren't going to come start stop trying to make other batters look as foolish as pitchers make blue Jays batters look foolish. That is the key to success for this rotation. Yeah. I don't (laughs) disagree. I mean, it really is. I mean, they're just not, they're not who they were last year. The one that I would say would be the closest to last year. Hap has been good. He had a very bad game against, um, the Red yeah. Sox this weekend. Pitchers have bad games. It happens. Other than that, he's been very good. But the one that's looked closest to who they've been last year is probably Marco Estrada. Yeah. The changeup's still there. I mean, the changeups that he threw, I think to, uh, I think it was Rafael Tavares, yeah. was just, I thought he was going to sob his way back to the dugout because he was just 
absolutely owned by it. And they're, they're calling Jaime well, or, or uh, not Jaime, they're calling Mar- Marco well right now because he really only has two weapons. Yeah. Once you complicate that with all these, you know, I don't want to call Sanchez a junk baller because he can still throw 95. But when you try to get too, too cute with it, it doesn't work. Mm. And if you're only going to throw five innings anyways, do it at max effort. Give your team a chance. Keep your team in the game. And, yeah. you know, Jaime Garcia is who he's always been. So that's been like the least surprising development of all of them, that he's just not that good. <laughs> yeah, he's tailed off a little bit from those Cardinal days. But <laughs> I... I I'm I want I want to see see something more tangible starting this week. This is a good week for the Blue Jays to try and reset that. They get the Mets for two games and then uh is a four game series with the Athletics starting on Thursday. If they don't go four and two in this stretch, I'm going to be incredibly disappointed and I'm I'm going to start thinking it's sell off time. Cause like the Mets are not a good team. Like yeah, they no, have they have starting pitching, but they they have a weak lineup. You should be able to dominate them. Oakland, Oakland is not a good team. Oakland is a team that you need to beat up upon, like you did earlier in the season when when the Blue Jays were just torching the AL Central and all those poor teams. So, be, getting a a solid three like three games to one against Oakland this week. And it's absolutely what the Blue Jays need because then the Angels are coming, then they have to go to Philly, a resurgent Philly team, and then it's those Red Sox again. And <laughs> at the end of that stretch, if they're right back where they started this year, you can start penning the Josh Donaldson trade rumor articles now because that's what's going to happen with this team. Well, apparently uh, Blair was saying they need to trade uh, Donaldson for a uh... A closer earlier today on the radio, but uh, mm. I wasn't listening. That's just secondhand. Um, uh, yeah, when you say um, what'd you say uh, four and two this week? Yeah, yeah. One less than that is three and three. That doesn't get you anything. Four and two is a big week, and I believe in that their two biggest obstacles are probably going to be Noah Syndergaard on Tuesday. And I believe that means on the last game, probably Sunday, they're going to see Sean Mania, mm. who also matches up really well against them for completely different reasons. Think like you know the Kevin Pillar chase. He, he they're going to have trouble with his slider. It's it's really good, and he's finally put it all together this year. I yeah. just a little um, side note here. I, I'm I watch a lot of Sean Mania and Oakland Athletics games just because uh, it's a fun team to watch out west after the Blue Jays games are over. Mm. But yeah, they're they're not good teams. The Mets, especially, should they should take two from the Mets. Yeah, the A's. I want to say are, they're a little better, but in a different way. They have weapons on offense. Chris Davis is going to hit at least two home runs in that series. I'm going to tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. And it's probably going to be one if there's a Marco Estrada change, change up that's above the knees. That's probably getting deposited. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> up and in from J-Hap, that one's, that one's going deep. Um, yeah. But, you know, they, they do have some weapons, so you don't want to take them lightly. Chris Davis, 
um, Jed Lowry is playing out of his mind right now. Mm. And, you know, there's a couple other sneaky guys there. Marcus Semien has sneaky power. Mark um, Hanna's yeah. pretty good. So. Yes, yeah. yeah. And yes. the thing is, like, you can watch, watch the A's. I don't know if it's the uniforms or just the guys that they employ on that team. Everybody from six, seven in the lineup, they look exactly the same. And you can't tell them apart until you see the back of their jerseys. Mm. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> it's, it's it's a beard mentality with Oakland. Manaya is probably going to be pitching on Saturday. He pitched last night okay. against Boston. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's something to look forward to this week. And I'm sure we will be talking about it again here on Locked On Blue Jays. But this is the end of our time. Roy Widrick, thank you so much for joining me on this edition. Let let the people know where they can find you. Uh, let's see. I, yeah, I'm over at Jays from the Couch. And I'm also on the Twitters at R-O-L-E-W-I-I-I. That's three I's at the end. Yeah. That was yep, really I, hard to understand. I know you've gone into why it's that on the on the Jays from the Couch uh, live and interactive programs that yeah. we used to do. So I'm I'm sure people have heard it. Um, if they haven't found me by now, they're not going to find me. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at neoac18. That's neoac18. That's the best way to get involved with this program. If you have any comments or anything, uh, let me know. And I will do my best to work you in. This is a very fan-friendly program that uh, I'm running here at Locked on Jays. And, you know, Fan Fridays are always around the corner. So uh, talk to me and you might get a shout-out and might get debated on air. Um, Roy, I'm sure we will have you back to debate on air at some point because you are a gentleman and a scholar. And we appreciate you uh, giving your time to this program. Sure thing. Thanks a lot, Ryan. No problem. So for Roy, Roy Widrig, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much to, for listening to Locked On Blue Jays. Take care.